0: Ooh, nice music, nice music. Um, <laughs> we have to get back to business, though. America's Heroes Group uh, Roundtable. We are globally connected with uh, our partners, and we are looking at something that is going to be an incredible topic that you need to listen very closely to. The topic is a follow-up of military sexual uh, suit against General uh, uh It ends in a rare settlement. Um, Our panelist is Lindsey Knapp, a U.S. Army veteran, attorney, chair of the Military and Veterans Women's Coalition and executive director of combat sexual assault. Uh, She actually has been working very diligently on uh, making sure that this stays a vital and important topic and that we don't lose focus on it. And I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, hello uh, Lindsey. Um, but you can start off by Hi. telling us a little bit more about this what is what why is this so important for us to know Yeah
1: so military sexual trauma is a huge is a huge issue and it's it's really causing a national security crisis because folks are not uh, reenlisting uh, the military's got this huge recruitment problem but moreover it's just mm-hmm. plain wrong to be Sexually assaulting, you know, being sexually assaulted by someone you serve with. But what we have seen recently is that, um, you know, traditionally service members have been barred from suing um, their perpetrators. So if, if the service member is assaulted by another service member, they've tr- traditionally been barred from suing for civil damages. Um, but we've seen a little bit of a break in that with, uh, in the case of uh, Spolester and General Heighton. Uh, General Heighton uh, sexually assaulted. Um, Colonel Spolester, and when she sued for damages, um, she was able to chip away at at this doctrine, as the courts refer to it as the Ferris Doctrine, Mm -hmm. and she was able to walk away with the settlement. Um, So what we know is that, according to the um, Department of Defense, 64% of service members who report a sexual assault experience retaliation, and it's just getting harder and harder for service members to report safely and to not essentially be gaslit into submissions. Something mm-hmm. that we see a lot is that after a service member reports is that the command team will say things to them like, oh, that was consensual, and then send them back to work. Or they may uh, command refer them to uh, behavioral health, essentially forcing them to undergo a mental health evaluation to help further the narrative that they're just crazy, right? Like they're just mm-hmm. reporting us because they're a crazy person and we're going to kick them out as a result so what we do at our organization is we represent service members who are, and veterans who either are currently in the process um they've, they've reported a sexual assault and are being retaliated against or perhaps maybe they were kicked out after reporting a sexual assault and we guide them through that legal process
0: Right. Yeah, and and so this case in particular is really unique, right, because it actually uh, did, as you mentioned, the Ferris Doctrine, it actually went and sort of pierced that veil, right? Yeah,
1: it sure did, and so we're not entirely sure how it's going to play out with uh, with other cases other than this one, but it's certainly a really great sign that the courts are kind of leaning away from, you know, applying this doctrine like carte blanche to everyone, and um, what the government argued in an effort to further their position essentially was that sexual assault was inherent to service which is kind of like a really wild position that you would hope your government would never take right that that service members should essentially be expected to be sexually assaulted um and so the court ultimately rejected that argument and and thankfully declared that sexual assault is not inherent to service and somebody who serves should not have to worry about that because um, what we are seeing is that you are more likely to be sexually assaulted while serving in the military than you are to be injured, shot, killed, captured, et cetera, by the enemy. And that's just a really frightening, frightening statistic. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's where we are with our clients, and we're trying to kind of guide them through that process in an effort to hopefully expand you know, the, the award that you know, Colonel polester was able to get and see if we're able to get that for others as well.
0: Well, you know, you know, at the heart of everything, there is, you know, th- there are so many different, uh, it's a very complex issue with all the things that are going on. And, you know, at, there needs to be some kind of doctrinal change, right? I mean, uh, about what is permissible and what is not. And it should be part of the service member's training, I would imagine. You know, because uh, I've, I've had people I know who were, you know, um, you know, gay members of the military who actually went through sexual assault with their partners, um, Mm -hmm. and other people who are doing that, but it's, it's a way that we have to start thinking about you are a human, but you're a service member and that should not be going anywhere (laughs) between any, no, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, our service members, they, they have ramped up the training quite a bit, um, in regards to this but our position is that it's not it's not the training that they need but what we need I mean Mm -hmm. training is great but we need these these leaders who are sweeping it under the rug to be held accountable. So yes. if a service member goes to their commander and says, I was sexually assaulted, and they say, nope, get back to work, that's we need them prosecuted for obstruction of justice. And that's not something that we're seeing. What we're seeing is the Department of Defense put in all these new processes um, to, quote-unquote, help victims. And I like to um, use the quote by Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu, and what what he would say is, you know, he's talking about folks who fell into the river and, you know, we're pulling them out. And he says that, you know, at some point we have to ask the question of um, why they fell in. Yes. And so with the military, and, right, and so like what the military is doing with these, like, with these trainings and with these prevention measures is it's essentially like throwing life jackets to people who have thrown, who have fallen in the river without acknowledging that they are the ones that in fact pushed us in to begin with. So if they held anybody literally anybody at the senior level accountable for these things that we can prove, we can prove that command, that various commanders looked their service member directly in the eye and said, nope, that sex was consensual, get back to work, and prosecuted them for obstruction of justice, the ripple effects of that would be enormous, which is why this Bolester case was so important, because this is the first time that senior leaders were held accountable civilly for monetary damages so we're calling for leaders to be held accountable not only criminally for obstructing justice when a service member reports an assault but also be held accountable civilly so that way service members can get monetary damages from the person that assaulted them and then once you see that then I, i mean i feel like there's going to be a huge change really really quick because right now people who are committing these atrocities they know that they can do it without punishment
0: yes and then, you know, also, you know, Heighton, um he had retired in 2021, um, you know, after a two-year stint with the uh, Joint Chiefs. Uh, but he, he's now heading a foundation arm for the uh, space venture, you know, company uh, uh, Blue Origin, and that's uh, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, I'm wondering whether uh, people need to just be held accountable and how do you uh, – you know, have someone like that be, you know, being very cautious about um, what they are allowed to do, what, uh, you know, agency they have with joining another uh, company, and then, you know, do you want that to be in your company?
1: (laughs) Right, absolutely. So we, I mean, we need like a little, we need a degree of outrage from from uh, folks other than just, like, myself and you that, to, to say that, right, that, that Heighton does not need to be working at you know, having this foundation, and he, and he does not need to be supported and be working for Jeff Bezos. Like, he has committed some atrocities, and he, I mean, you I mean, should just kind of fly off into the abyss. I mean, he also needs to be prosecuted criminally, but at the very least she was able to get some headway um civilly, but you, but you, that's I mean that's a really a great example of what happens right because even though you know we we had a, a mini victory where she was able to collect some uh, civil damages against Titan what what is he doing you know he's he's just going back living his best little life so it it shows that there's still so much work that needs to be done and so much more education that needs to be done with the American public and you know throughout the military to let make sure everybody knows that this is not okay.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, one, one thing I, I was wondering also, you know, because I, I well I joined the military in 1984 and retired in 2010. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, I was looking at a lot of intergenerational changes. Do you see things changing as far as the generations that people are in uh, when they're entering military service or serving, you know, currently? Uh, do you see any differences in how things are being approached?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, you know, in the you know when you were serving like in the 80s through 2010 mm-hmm. you know there was certainly a growth of of women serving right okay. there there was mm-hmm. there was not very many in the 80s and mm-hmm. certainly there was more when you got out and there's more and more joining every day right. and and so in the earlier days right in the 80s 90s mm-hmm. and early 2000s it was it was really like a considered almost a part of service that you were going to be sexually harassed um or assaulted, and that you just had to take it, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. I sir, I got out of the army in two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. and I remember at my first duty station, my supervisor bought me a vibrator, and what? I at the time, I know, right? And so, like, he was very concerned that I wasn't getting having enough sex, I wanted to make sure that I could be able to do that on my own.
0: You have got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, boy. I, that's the first no, time. And, and yeah.
1: <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that was in the early 2000s. And I was, you know, I was still very young at the time. And, like, at the time when it happened, I was like, Roger, sir. You know what I mean? And I just, oh. like, took it and kept it moving. I, I never I, I never even thought to, the, that I had an opportunity to make a complaint. I just, yeah. I, I, I completely believed that that was incident to my service. But now what I'm seeing come 2023 is we've got a lot of really brave service members that despite Mm -hmm. being retaliated against to this degree, they are fired up. And so they are coming forward more than they have. I mean, certainly when I was serving and they're calling the spade a spade, Mm -hmm. even even at risk of getting kicked out of service or being retaliated against and all those things. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like the military is coming to kind of like a reckoning point because they're like oh, crap, like we've got to do something about all of this. Um, You know, the men and women who are being assaulted are finally speaking up for themselves, whereas before, you know, maybe they were like me, and I was just kind of like, well, this is." I chose to serve my country, and if I want to serve my country, this is just something I'm going to have to endure, is what went through my mind at that time. Um, But now, you know, like I said, they're just so much more brave, and I'm very excited to see the service members today really – you know
0: putting their foot down Yeah, and, and it's also on the on the you know it's mostly women who get assaulted right um, and it, it has to be something about the code of ethic for uh, a military uh, veteran or you know military personnel where if you are a, a male and you see something happening put a stop to it call people out on it you know you're part of the solution to the problem and it's it's making sure that you don't allow people to say things. I mean, you know, I'm African-American and, uh, you know, I've heard people tell jokes, you know, African-American jokes and all that. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. and I've heard people, you know, you know, the microaggressions that happen all the time. And you get to the point where it's like you have to say, you know, stop <laughs> or. or I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And if someone's talking about it, a, a woman or someone from another ethnicity or another background, whether they're Greek or, you know, Mongolian, you know, you, you stop them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, you know, when the military's not mad at me and they let me come in to train their troops, that we, we train them on bystander <laughs> intervention. And, and, and what the... Exactly right and what that means right and that and how important it is and really how does one person stepping up can make a difference Right because what happens mm-hmm. is is when nobody says anything Then the unit just assumes that this is what in the group thinks that this is just what happens this is how we behave Normal behavior. but when that one <laughs> right. exactly and then when that oh, one I person see. steps up, it can change the entire trajectory of that unit and it, it's just so important. You know, like, as I look back on my service, um, I I was very fortunate in the sense that I had, I was an officer and I had some non-commissioned officers <laughs> who really just looked out for me. Mm-hmm. And anytime something bad was about to happen to me, they'd be like, LT, don't do that. I know you were just ordered to do this. Don't do it. And they would always pull me aside mm-hmm. and, and and keep me safe despite, you know, they could see things that I couldn't see. Right, and right, right. And so, I, in a sense, you know, even though I had some terrible experiences, I was I was very lucky in that sense that I had somebody looking out. And but for that, I can only imagine I would have I, I would have had such a worse experience than I had had.
0: Yes, yes, and then you know, and as, as people, we have to be careful. Um, uh, both men and women have to how how you carry yourself in the military too, um, you know, and making sure that people understand what the boundaries are <laughs> and right. Cause
1: there's no boundaries. It seems sometimes with some of these service members, they're just, they're out there living. Yeah. They're living their best life. But I, I feel like they forget that it's, this is a job, right? Like, and then there's behaviors that you can't do at the workplace, right? There's some, there's just some things you can't do. You, and there's certainly not enough people out there drawing that line for them. They're, they're just, yeah. Letting it letting it roll.
0: Yeah. And, and it's particularly disturbing to me when I see people who have advanced years in the military, especially if you've you know, you know, you're, you know, if you're 17 years old and you're crazy, <laughs> you know, that's one kind of person. <laughs> but the person that's there for 10, 20 years and still allows things to happen um, and it, it could be their mother, their sister, their daughter, their you know cousin, their aunt. <laughs> that they're watching something happen to, uh, you have to wake up and, you know, realize that this is a person that is in the military family. It's part of your family, and you need to speak up and say no.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah, and and we're we're seeing it, yeah, and we're just seeing these folks go through the ranks because they've never seen somebody held accountable for that. So the behavior has gone unchecked, and mm-hmm. and as they continue to rise up through the ranks, you know, all the way up through General Hyten, he had, he was able to do what he wanted as, you know, as a young officer, and he can t- just continued that behavior up until, up until the end. And can you imagine what would have happened if somebody had intervened at any point in his however long, 30, 40-plus long-year career, and oh. intervened, and just said, hey, like, what are you doing? You, you can't do that. You know, right. like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. like, you, this is insane. But but how many people co-signed his checks for him as he went up the ranks? Uh, you know, so I'm glad you brought up bystander intervention because it's just so important. And it shows how much of an impact people can make where where they are right now. That's right. Um, you know, there's this, there's this code of ethics kind of in the military, you know, where you know, you got to stand by your brother and sister in arms, right? right and so right. Some folks aren't quite as inclined to maybe like tell on their service member, but I right. encourage them to really think about it differently. Like you're protecting them. You're you're protecting them from these horrible injustices. And and we kind of see this in the family dynamic, too, because, you know, one in every four women and one in every six men are sexually assaulted Prior to the age of eighteen, and so this is yeah. out of our civilian civilian population, and so that's a huge number. And so, yeah. why you have to ask yourself why is that number so large? And that number is so large because a lot of people keep that in the family, yeah. right? And so, yeah, get that, if you're actually statistic
0: again, because that's a really important. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so it's one in every
1: four women and one in every six men. So we're really talking about a third. You know you know between a fifth and a third of the population right now has already been sexually assaulted and and so and, and so we're talking about kids being sexually assaulted so we've got a childhood sexual assault epidemic in the country mm-hmm. that's going unchecked and and if somebody's sexually assaulting a child it's really likely that that person the perpetrator is close to the family in some way right like a teacher a clergy member a coach mm-hmm. an aunt an uncle like somebody who's in that in that circle to have access and so if we're not addressing it even, you know, to our listeners who are not in the military and they're like, well, I don't know how this affects me. And I'm like, well, it affects you in the exact same way in your own family dynamic, right? Like, and so if even our civilian population, if they've got the, you know, the courage to be bystanders in their own right, they can make a difference as their children grow and whether or not they join the service or not
0: yeah you know and, and and that's a good point to bring up too is that this is not uh, a unique situation in the military. it's part of our general culture that we need right. to really address um, because these these uh, abusers who are out there, I remember you know growing up uh you know I, I grew up Catholic uh, but in New York City and I remember uh, the priest offering uh, I was an altar boy offering us wine, which is inappropriate. Mm after service (laughs) and i remember one person that was actually sexually assaulted uh because of that and i you know and to this day it still bothers me uh that 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 people were actually able to do that yet that that entrusted with that so you you know we're talking about priests and then you're talking about military uh leaders you join the military because you have a certain amount of respect or Uh, admiration for that profession and for the people who are in it and uh, you know you see them as heroes and for Mm -hmm. them to do that to you is it's almost like the priest (laughs) you know uh, right (laughs) doing something to you and uh, you know I I think that they need to really um, bring this to a point where um, people are, are much more educated about this uh, as you're saying, but intervention is so important. You know, as you were saying, well, I'll give you a pass because I'm, you know, I'm the captain over, you know, this uh, particular squad, right, or whatever, uh, a- a- and you, you can be promoted. No, 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 no. <laughs> this should be taken into account when you're talking about evaluations because it talks directly to unit cohesion, to your discipline, your ability to be disciplined, and to your um, respect, Uh, for another service member and uh and plus it's illegal but (laughs) that's another right i mean that that too (laughs) for sure but uh that's something that uh should really be instilled in all the leaders that you know this is something that you need to be on on the table for evaluations for promotion yeah and
1: yeah, I mean, and it's some they've added a block to most evaluations to where they have to, you know, talk about that. But but the problem mm-hmm. is, is that it's it's like again, it's like throwing a life jacket to somebody who's already thrown us in the river, right? Like they're they're That's not right. going to be inclined to be like, hey, you know, I we I was just sexually harassing Susie and Bob, but you know, to, to make sure you don't put that on my eval. Like who's writing the eval, you know? Because <laughs> it's not, <laughs> um, you know, it's just not getting captured in the way that let's perhaps congress intended when they enacted that piece of legislation
0: yeah it made me laugh a little bit because i remember looking at the pyramid you know when you're doing your evals <laughs> office evals and yeah. i remember one of them yeah. saying i said forget all those little figures and all that this is which box do they put you in where, you know where do you write with the rest of the group <laughs> so they can right, put right,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah Are my top block or am I the bottom block <laughs> On the bottom but, block right <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so, yeah, but that's, uh, that's something that, you know, maybe uh, they, they need to think about in the policy perspective. And uh, I'm not sure if the JAG Corps gets involved with that, you know, in internal affairs in the military for policy. Uh, but that's something that uh, would be good <laughs> for them to start uh, taking a look at.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the JAG Corps, and you know, the like Inspector General and often Special Counsel. The thing I, I like people to realize about them is that they they really work for the military. So it's like wow. having the military investigate itself. So so it's like you know, it's it'd be like having you know the HR for Amazon. You know that Bezos, you know, oh, <laughs> investigate Hayden on something he did. Like, like, like Amazon's not going to be like, oh, hey, Hayden, you messed up. Oh, you know what I way. mean? Like, like, the, he, 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 like they're not going to publish that. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's like, and so, like, you know, things that we're calling for is, you know, for these folks to be held accountable, but civilly and criminally, but from outside organizations, right? Like, let lo- local law enforcement feel empowered so that way they can charge these service members with the obstruction of justice. Although they should be charged, you know, from CID. OSI, NCIS, and the like, um, but if they're not being held accountable by some entity outside of them, I just, I just don't see how we're going to move the needle on this in any way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so what, what are the things that we can do proactively? I mean, is it writing congressional members, writing uh, the military? Who, who do we sort of? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I would encourage folks to write their congressional leaders, let them know that they're concerned about sexual assault in the military and that they want to have their leaders held accountable. I would also let them know that, you know, that they would like legislation to be passed to overturn USB Ferris So we've recently been able to chip away at it just a little bit to allow service members to sue for medical malpractice, but not for any other kind of negligence. So, you know, Congress has has made some progress in that regard to allow service members to put some power back into their hands. But anything our citizens can do to help put power back in our service members' hands, we would absolutely love and appreciate because they just – they need they need us they need us just as much as we need them to, to you know to serve and protect us but they need our voices and our support uh, because they're just not able to advocate for themselves in the way that they would like under the circumstances that they're in.
0: Yes yes very very good uh, uh, important information. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode and for more details visit americashg.org.